Good morning and welcome to Morning Java, brought to you as always by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where they are open for business, making fresh, hot food 24-7. I'm joined by Dave Molinari, Hall of Fame hockey writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports. And Dave, we almost, almost are upon hockey. Uh, is there any chance of any kind of roadblocks, any kind of bumps getting in the way between now and then? Have you not been here for 2020? <laughs> yeah, I kind of have. <laughs> I, 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 would, yeah, I wouldn't want to predict what the roadblocks would be, but it's hard to believe that there aren't some potential ones. Uh, they certainly haven't emerged yet, but you know, there's still a day or so left in, uh, in the year, so let's not rule anything out. But you know, we can cautiously be optimistic that the Penguins will get together on, uh, on Sunday for the, the start of a training camp. Mike Sullivan uh, met with reporters briefly yesterday, and in doing so, I had been, he mentioned that there are only going to be really seven days of practice leading into the, the game against the Flyers. And I had been predicting nine, even though there was a 10 day span, because I thought that for sure you were going to have to give them a day off at some point or other, but there's more to it. There's physicals, there's tests and other stuff here. Um, it seems almost inconceivable, but it's the case that they will have the Penguins and most other NHL teams, not all, the non-playoff teams get, I think it's three extra days? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, that they will have even less preparation time than what they had in the summer in advance of those playoff games. Um, this is wild. Plus. Yeah, wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I think the Penguins have a bit of an edge over most teams because – I think you could pretty much pick their 23-man roster today, and if they don't have any injuries, uh, you could probably nail it. Um, you know, there might be one or two guys who, based on training camp performances or, or injuries, uh, don't show up or do show up on, on the opening night roster, but they're pretty well set. There's not a lot of guys auditioning for spots on, on the major league roster, which I don't know is the case with, with a lot of teams. And, if, you know, if you're only going to have what amounts to a week uh, worth of preparation for a season, that could give them an early advantage against some of their competition. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I'm trying to picture how awful this hockey is going to be when we start, you know, uh, whether it's the games in Philadelphia or even, you know, the first handful of games uh, we got to see in these playoff games and not just Pittsburgh. Uh, it wasn't just Pittsburgh's performance against Montreal in general, the playoffs, at least to me and, and watching from afar felt like they took forever to get going. Like maybe, I don't know, halfway through the first round, Arguably well, the second. I don't know. Yeah, I you know that's uh, obviously subjective, but mm -hmm. yeah, it took time, which you know makes sense. That you know they you don't get the best hockey, you know, in the early weeks of the regular season, which you know that was tantamount to, you know, they were playing games after having several months off. Uh, so you know it, it's no surprise that th things were you know below. Uh, playoff standards then although it's it's worth 
uh, noting, I think, that the Penguins played better in their first two games against Montreal than they did in the second two, mm-hmm. which kind of flies in the face of, uh, you know, the, the logic behind a slow start. But, you know, yeah, in, in general, you know, I expect that, uh, you know, it will, there will be a lot of rust to shake off in the early weeks of this. Uh, the, the thing is, if, if you're able to avoid that and, and get a reasonably good start, uh, you know, that oh, would it's be a big deal. It's a big yeah, deal, much bigger than, than in an 82 game season when you're on, when you're only playing 56, you could, uh, build a bit of a margin for error for yourself. Or if you get in a hole, you know, climbing out of it will be quite a challenge, especially in the division that, that the Penguins are in, you know, there are five pretty accomplished teams in the division and only four are going to make the playoffs. You know, the, the other three all seem the, uh, you know, the trajectory of those franchises is, is headed up. Yeah, that's, so, that's the key here is that very rarely do you see, and this goes back through hockey history, uh, a year in which there isn't one team in a division that doesn't, you know, make some kind of significant move upward. And, uh, you know, the Rangers look like they're going to be you know, <laughs> I mean, the pretty... are going to be very good. It's a, yes. it's a question when it happens. Exactly. It's, it's, it's how long it takes. Uh, it's not just Alexi Lafreniere, but Capo Caco and other guys that they have. Uh, to, well, I don't know how many of them are going to reach Artemi Panarin's level that he showed last year, Mika Zibanejad, but they're they're on the, they're on the path upward. Point is, the Penguins have a, a really really small amount of time to get up to speed. And I guess the biggest concern that I'd have if I were Mike Sullivan is that we just saw in the summer, and I understand from what he said yesterday, they're not going to be connecting what happened last season to this season and everything else, but it's not easy. And I don't know what these coaches can do to impress upon everybody because Dave, realistically, when we go back to this past summer, uh, and the two best players on the ice, again, this is subjective, but from my point of view, the two best players on the ice in this camp were Sam Lafferty and Evan Rodriguez. That tells me that the rest of the team wasn't where it needed to be. You know what I'm saying? With all due or those two guys grossly underpaid. <laughs> That's it, right? But if, if they go through this camp and you and I are writing about Lafferty and Rodriguez again, you know, I mean, they're in for a rough start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they will certainly, you know, they have individuals who are capable of, I don't know about carrying an entire team, but who are capable of doing more than one twentieth of of the work. Uh, And they're going to need it from those guys, from the Crosby's and the Malkins and the Latangs and the Gensels. Uh, Those guys are going to have to, uh, to really step up. Sullivan made clear yesterday what really should have been obvious to anybody, and that's that there won't be, uh, as you've mentioned yourself, any significant wide-open competition uh, for roster spots. Uh, They know who they have. They know where they're going to align them. Uh, Even on the day that they acquired Kasperi Kapanen, uh, Jim Rutherford just said openly, looks like he's going to play with Sid and Jake. So They've had their ideas of what they want to do here for a while. And that's a good thing, as you said. Um, Sullivan also mentioned that there will be competition in the bottom six. 
for a spot that normally would be taken by Zach Aston Reese on the line with Teddy Bluger and Brandon Tanev. Um, who's in line for that competition? What does it look like? And when we're talking about bottom six, we're obviously talking about Bluger and Tanev having spots. We're probably talking about uh, Jankowski because he's got to be uh, part of the PK. Jankowski would be in the middle of, of the other bottom six line, what I would consider yeah, the, right. yeah, the third line with yeah. uh, because it, for people that, and probably Rodriguez, although, yeah. you know, the identity of the right winger is, is up for grabs, I think. But uh, Okay, so Jared McCann's in that mix too. So what, what are we talking about here? Because they're not going to leave McCann out. No, I, I would think that, that that fourth line, we'll call the Bluger line the fourth line. Okay. That uh, the other guy with uh, Tanov will be probably Lafferty, but uh, Colton Sevier, you know, is, is also a, a contender, I guess. I mean, doesn't Sevier strike you, and I'm not being mean here, but doesn't he strike you as the kind of guy that would be your spare part? He's, an, he's a little bit of an older guy. Uh, he's headsy. He's responsible defensively. He killed penalties in Florida. I, I just wondered if he might not be the odd man out. Uh, going into camp, I would expect him to be. I mean, I I think that Lafferty should have to play his way out of the lineup. Mm. Um, you know, I would I have him penciled in there uh, on on that line in in the Aston Reese spot. Um, and yeah, I think. You know, Sevier would be a, you know, a reasonably good uh, bottom six spare part to uh, to have around. You you know, there are going to be injuries, probably more so than than normal, just because you have a shorter camp. And, you know, with with the makeup of, of the divisions, at least the East Division, you've got a lot of rivalries in there. And, you know, those games tend to be a little more nasty than, than the average one. The elbows are a little higher, a little more often. So I think that's going to uh, increase the chances of, of injury. So you're going to need um, not only your 23-man roster, but I think you'll see guys on the taxi squad uh, get into games occasionally too. My goodness. There'll be like no surprises in this camp. I'm, I'm trying to picture like who could rise up uh, that would make, you know, some kind of big hit or big impression. Um, not that what John Marino did was common, certainly not at his position, but it took Marino and, and you'll remember this, oh. what, four or five practices to just completely floor everybody yeah. uh, up in Cranberry. Yeah. Like they just knew right away, like what, whoa, what is that? Um, well, yeah, and I mean, he had actually shown quite well at, at the Prospects Tournament in Buffalo. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was kind of his coming out party. But then when he got in against, you know, established NHL competition in camp, uh, and he didn't regress at all, that's uh, when it was clear that uh, he was something special. But I mean, when, when you look at, you know, you, you're mentioning defensemen. They they have a couple of guys they like in Cam Lee and Josh Maniscalco, but there are eight guys on one-way contracts ahead of them, and arguably Joseph too. Pierre Olivier Joseph would be ahead of yeah, them as well. Yeah, so that's nine. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's hard to imagine them coming in, you know, fresh out of college, 
and replicating what, what John Marino did, um, I guess that would be a great problem for, for management to have if, uh, you know, uh, Cody Cece or Mike Matheson, you know, got uh, knocked off the third pairing, you know, strictly, not, you know, not because of poor performance on their part, but because one of the kids came in and played so well. Oh, but, great. Yeah. Yeah. But I really don't think uh, anyone is anticipating that. The Penguins have the 56 game schedule. They have games relatively even in terms of the way they're spaced out. Only six sets of back to backs. I guess Mike Sullivan could have said yesterday, you know what? We've got a new number one in Tristan Jari. We are going to, we're going to ride him. We're going to, you know, Martin Brodeur him, you know, right into the, right into the ice. He didn't. Uh, he, he said very clearly that they have faith in Casey DeSmith and they intend to use him a, a lot. Uh, did that take you back at all? Uh, not really. I mean, it is a, a condensed schedule. You know, uh, not that it's not quite the games aren't quite as crammed together as I think some of us expected. And mm -hmm. as you noted, there are only six back to backs. But, you know, Casey DeSmith has proven at this level that he's capable of being a backup. He's, he's not a guy you would uh, want to lean on to be a number one and to carry you through a long playoff run or anything like that. But when you, when you can't be sure going into the season how Jari will hold up, you know, under the physical and mental rigors of being the number one, uh, saying that you plan to give the, uh, the backup a, a significant amount of work isn't a bad idea. You know, yeah, it's not yeah, like, right. It's not like, uh, you know, Sullivan made a commitment that, uh, you know, the Penguins must adhere to for the balance of the season. If, if Jari's playing well and, you know, wants to uh, play more than, than the coaches have him penciled in for, I don't think they will object. But um, I think going into it with the idea that you're going to play um, the Smith, maybe, you know, one out of every three games or, or, you know, one out of every four isn't isn't a bad idea. Yeah, it's one funny thing about the the rigors of this schedule or the perceived rigors to it is if you go back to um, the playoff bubbles that the NHL had, in which there was, of course, no travel in any capacity, couldn't even go outside. Mm -hmm. um, one of the points that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly made throughout that when they were unapologetically ramming games a little bit tighter together, uh, even in the Stanley Cup final, was that because there was no travel, uh, that it was going to be you know easier from the physical standpoint and everything else. And I'll bet over the course of these 56 games, you're gonna see a similar thing play out. Uh, you're going to a city now and you're staying there to play two games. Um, it's not the same as, uh, you know, our favorite trip, the, the, the Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver uh, yeah. trip, 
where you play you play three of those in four nights uh, yeah. in two provinces in three cities that are uh, well certainly in the case of Vancouver nowhere near the other two um, and that's that game that the Canucks are just sitting there waiting for you to beat you by seven goals and laugh yeah. through the whole thing. Um, that yeah, is they, different they won't world. Have the time zone, you know, playing in this division. Uh, you know, their their longest trip will be you know an hour flight to Boston. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, it won't quite be the equivalent of being in the bubble, but, uh, you know, it won't, the, the travel won't be nearly as demanding, uh, as it is in a normal season. And I, I really like that idea of the baseball type series of playing multiple games in, in a city. Um, you mean beyond this, Dave? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh really? Why? Um, well, I, you know, I, for one thing, it will, will save some money, which obviously the owners will be looking to do, I think for quite a few seasons, you know, mm-hmm. after, after all the money that was lost in this pandemic, I think that the games tend to be more intense when you have what's normally a home and home, uh, that second game, you know, the, uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, dislike that, that tends to settle in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's good. The only thing that I, I think might uh, mitigate against it is if fans make it clear that they don't like paying to see the same opponent twice in, in three days. Or, yeah, I mean, I could see that. that. That's the one thing that would, as maybe the only thing that would uh, hurt the idea moving forward. Um, I remember, uh, I remember Tom Rooney, uh, our, our, our mutual friend who used to be the, the, the Penguin CEO, talking about uh, the, how difficult it is to sell certain tickets for certain opponents on certain nights. This was back when this was a thing for the Penguins oh. specific Civic Arena. And Winnipeg on a Tuesday, I think, was what he, <laughs> he I, I remembered Anaheim on a Monday, but you can go mm-hmm. ahead with Winnipeg on a Tuesday. <laughs> But in in November, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and, and those are rough. And, and for, we have to remember that not every team in the NHL is like Pittsburgh and has this, you know, this line of humans waiting to buy season tickets to get into the place. So I I do think that that'll be a factor, uh, especially as you go back to a normal schedule and you do bring in Western conference teams who only make it here once. So maybe it's something you just do, you feed into the computer that it's just Eastern Conference teams where you do these series and say, hey, listen, you know, maybe they could even sell them as packages, right? Oh, and I, you know, fans might. Two games against the Rangers, you know, come and get them. Fans might come to the conclusion that, uh, as I say, those second games are even more intense than the first. And, you know, a, a significant percentage of the fans might come to embrace the idea. Yeah, I, 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 this, this has some, some merit here. It also sounds like, you know, something we should maybe just take right to the league and propose that they keep it because it keeps travel costs down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>